What's up, ship chasers? You have been asking for it. Win stat chasing, win stat chasing. Well, we are back and we are super excited to keep the tradition going. A couple years ago, Pat Corain kicked this off. Last year, Sam Hoppin passed on uh, the baton or continued the baton. And now we have two more of our community members you guys know these guys you've seen sam drafting on stream with us last year hanging out in the discord of course connor aka Drico, the 2021 best ball main event champ and rotoviz contributor here two super super sharp guys that you guys are in great hands with today i know some of the stuff they got in store for you guys i've seen some of the charts everything is going to be as good as it has ever been. So Sam and Drico, welcome to the show. Excited to see what you guys have in store for us. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, for asking us to do this. We really, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, the people, yeah, the people needed it, Sam. And I, I would say too, I, I see, I've seen the charts. I feel like you guys haven't missed a beat in uh, in what we like to do here on on stat chasing. Yeah, for sure. We definitely got to uh, got a lot of inspiration from how Pat and Sam Hoppin ran the show in past years. And uh, we're trying to build on it, make it a little different. Um, obviously it'll be different with two of us on the show instead of just one person. So um, yeah, you know, we're going to run with it, see how it goes. And I'm um, excited to be kicking this off today. Yeah. And so obviously we're recording this um, on Wednesday evening. I think the hope is as we progress and get a little more streamlined that will push up the recording time a little bit earlier. I know Pat and Sam would normally record on Tuesdays, but we're going to experiment. We're going to see what works best for these guys. But regardless, we're going to get you all those sweet, sweet stats. Uh, what what can people expect this year, Drico? Um, because I did give you guys kind of free reigns if you had different ways to format it, different things that were interesting to you. Can you give people a teaser here before you guys jump into the meat? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're, we're definitely, as Sam said, standing on the shoulders of joints. And <laughs> so we are, we're starting, I guess this week we're going to start off pretty close to, uh, to what Sam uh, Hoppen did last year. But like Sam Sherman said, we are, uh, we're looking to iterate this week. So we, I, I think we talked about this, this week, it's going to come out after waivers. So we're going to come at it more of an angle of the, uh, the best ball that uh, resurrection mm. and, uh, what did we learn in week one? And where uh, where is their under under reactions and uh, what's the the kind of best spot to attack that? So yep. that's awesome. Yeah, I I think that's a great and I like the idea of you know we now have so many options for action. Like initially when this started, I was like, oh, help you with waivers, and then it's oh well, this helps you with DFS trends, setting your lineup. Now we have all of these battle royale contests on underdog and the the resurrection, of course, too. So I think. Anytime you guys can apply this stuff to actionable things that people are are participating in, that's definitely a win for the show. And uh, we had we had been talking kind of like oh, and I've done this before where it's like oh how do you apply this to trades and stuff like that. But my uh, my experience at least has been when you're trying to react to new information by doing trades, it's really hard. And uh, there there are leagues out there where it's really difficult to. Uh, to actually make trades happen and uh, whereas this is like okay well you're doing a draft all over again and like that that is the to me that's the most one of the most actionable ways to like actually implement new information mm -hmm. for sure i agree with that mm -hmm. 
Um, all right, I am going to leave you guys to get to the good stuff here. I should also mention, as always, uh, if you guys want to join us in talking about all of this stuff and strategy, the Ship Chasing Discord is a great place to be. We have a great crew in there. And uh, I think in the future, too, we might even make some of these available live for YouTube members. So we can we can experiment with that. But I just wanted to introduce you guys all officially to the new co-hosts of Stat Chasing. And uh, I'm going to drop off here and let you guys do the rest. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Sounds good, Pete. Thank you. See you guys. Great. All right. So the... the uh... <laughs> the, the, the handcuffs are oh, not the handcuffs you know they're, they're off the parents the parents are out of town it's just it's yeah just the kids now the stabilizer <laughs> wheels are are off the bike yeah cool well um yeah Drico did a good job of giving sort of an overview of what we're going to try to accomplish here but um just to get a little bit into the weeds of how the format of this is going to work we're going to go through all of the key skill positions um in fantasy so obviously quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end and be covering and we'll be covering a key set of stats for each of those, often looking at um, some sort of crosstab of efficiency versus opportunity and um, synthesizing some key takeaways from week one. Um, so, yeah, unless you have anything else to add up top, um, Trico, then why don't we dive I, into I it? I think you got it. Okay. Sounds good. So starting, <clears throat> starting at the quarterback position, um, just to orient people watching this video to the chart, we have TD rate on the y-axis here and adjusted yards per attempt, which takes yards per attempt and adjusts it for interceptions and touchdowns. And we're looking at all the starting quarterbacks um, in, in week one here. And I guess the, the other thing to note is the bubble size here indicates um, rushing yards. So you'll see some of the Jalen Hurts, Mariotas, et cetera, um, pop out for that. Um, so yeah, I guess my question here is, Drico, is there anything on this chart that really jumped out to you anywhere where you think we should really be updating our priors on a particular player? Um, curious, curious your thoughts here. So yeah, um, the the first thing that I kind of noticed here is that uh, for all the uh, for all the thing of how Russell Wilson kind of like he he looked bad on uh, on Monday night. That is a, a pretty high uh, yards per attempt or adjusted yards per attempt. I think it's like 8.1. Mm -hmm. And like his seasonal career high is 8.3. So I, I, I've heard kind of like discussion of like, hey, is, is does Russell Wilson still have it? But despite uh, not, uh, not, I guess, looking aesthetically as good as people are used to or um, throwing uh, as many touchdowns as people are used to, I do think it is very interesting that uh, his yards per attempt was still very good. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting, and especially with the way he spread the ball around um, on Monday night. You didn't really – and we'll get to this later when we go through other positions, but you didn't really see any one player sort of dominate target share there. So um, it's certainly an interesting offense to watch. I, I agree with you. I think the general, like, casual takeaway is, oh, Russ lost the Seahawks, like – He's done. He doesn't have it anymore, but I am not certainly not buying that narrative. I think there was a lot of fluky stuff in the game there with uh, the goal line fumbles, that sort of thing. Um, I'd certainly be, be looking to buy him. And one, one of the concerns about Russell Wilson heading into the season is, okay, so obviously Hackett is not, he's not sharp with the decisions that we saw, 
one of the concerns w- w- was that they were going to run the ball too much or they might run the ball too much for him to really uh, mm-hmm. score a lot of points. But I think let me let me pull up the, the exact number. But he had around uh, 45. Um, he got he had 45 dropbacks in the game. Mm-hmm. And to, to me, I get the game was competitive, obviously, but that's uh, that's definitely plenty of volume for uh, for him yeah. to be a productive passer. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, yeah, and yeah, we'll we'll see there. Um, I think like it, it was, you know, the Denver was forced to throw, but I think the game was still relatively slow with. If I remember correctly, uh, with the Seahawks running the ball quite a bit, um, so we'll see. If, once Denver sort of gets in fast-paced shootouts, um, you could really see some some big games for Russ and the pass catchers there. Um, okay, cool. I guess moving on, some more more targeted questions. I'm curious what you think about Daniel Jones Week One in the Dayball offense. I think there was a lot of talk this offseason about. Oh, could Daniel Jones make the the Josh Allen leap? You know, obviously, I, I think that's an extreme range of outcomes, but right. he does show up quite well in this chart. This this chart is hiding the fact that he only had 28 attempts. So keep in mind, like they were trying to hide him. It was limited attempts, but on his attempts, he was quite efficient, and um, his rushing yards also sort of pops out here, um, which is you know a skill he's known to have. Do you, do you have any thoughts on Daniel Jones sort of? Um, you know, more so in a best ball sense than like a say main event one QB man. Right. But, um, so, and um, my my kind of thoughts were, if you remember, he was always the a very popular fallback option. Of hey, you missed the quarterbacks that you actually wanted to draft. Here's Josh Allen. Here's a story that you can tell yourself about the new coach, and he's got the rushing upside, and so you you draft him and pray, and um if I, I i so i did i didn't take him too much um but so maybe there's a bias here for me mm-hmm. but i almost think if the hiding him if the like the low number of dropbacks is that's what a good coach is doing it's like <laughs> the good coach is like okay well i've seen i've seen what happens when pressure's on you and how do i how do i take that off your shoulders and Obviously, he's done a solid job here, where mm-hmm. the, the the efficiency has been there, but the combination of low number of dropbacks, and then just how good Saquon Barkley looked, like he was like old Saquon Barkley superstar. And mm-hmm. now I'm thinking, if if that were me, and obviously I'm nowhere like, I, I'm an idiot, so I, I I'm not in this guy's uh, shoes, but. If it were me, I'd be like, okay, Saquon Barkley, superstar running back, shaky quarterback that I can make look good on few attempts. It kind of it, it kind of looks like this is going to be a Saquon Barkley write him out. Like mm-hmm. he's he's the star player of the offense. Um, yeah. Daniel Jones is the 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 game manager. Yep, I I think I largely agree with that take. I think this the way I read this is more so. This is good for Saquon Barkley that Daniel Jones can competently manage right. an offense as a game manager. Not necessarily exciting for Jones and himself, but at the same time, like you know, I, I, I'm not down on Jones after this. Um, I think it, it is somewhat interesting that he 
was efficient in week one, but again, yeah, such a low sample. Like I'm not, I'm not overreacting too much here. Um, okay, cool. Maybe let's hit some quick, um, other quick notes at quarterback before we move on to running back. The, the one other thing I had, and then and Drico, feel free to share other, other thoughts you had. Um, I thought the, the burrow rushing yards here was, was interesting. Um, just cause that was something he did flash his rookie year and actually propped up his floor and a ceiling combo quite a bit as a rookie when he wasn't passing super efficiently. Um, I don't know exactly what happened this game, um, whether it was a result of T Higgins being injured, sort of forced him to scramble more, whether that O-line was really getting beat up by the Steelers and that forced him to run a bit. I'm not exactly sure. Quite a bit of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'd, I'm, I guess there, but I think it is promising. He, he showed he, he might yeah. have a little bit more rushing than he did last year coming right off that ACL tear. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one thought. Um, I, I think, yeah. I think that's a great point. And yeah. especially when he's shown the upside of uh, being this Uber all efficient quarterback. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you can add that to uh, if you can add, take that and add a, a pretty solid rushing uh floor slash ceiling i think that that's pretty huge um, and and we're talking about kind of like how do you implement um underdog resurrection stuff and we were talking about this the qb5 jalen hurts goes in the fourth round qb1 josh allen goes in the second round whereas how how do you how do you build a great team in in this tournament um without paying true to nose for quarterback well, Joe Burrow, who we know is extremely good, now runs a lot more, and he goes in the seventh round. Like that, that uh, to me, that's a very uh, attractive spot to go after. Yeah, I agree. And also, some of his—if you watch the game—some of his picks were true fluke interceptions, like defensive linemen picking up picking up tip balls at the line of scrimmage. Like he did make some bad plays in that game, but if the market is overreacting to a bad Joe Burrow week one, I'm, I'm totally, right. um, I mean, I, I have bad days and <laughs> you have bad days, right? Everybody has bad days. That doesn't mean that they're never shit. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, cool. Any, anything here on the quarterback position you want to hit on Drico before we move on to, to running backs? Um, the only, it, it's kind of a small thing. Um, yeah, but Ryan Tannehill um, looks a lot better. Or he did look a lot better than he did last year. Mm-hmm. And he looks a, not quite as good as he was in 19 and 2020. And, but I do think it's interesting that he played well. And it wasn't on a kind of like short. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I do think it is interesting that he played well, especially when I will get to it later that there are some rookies kind of like the target that have been discounted and mm-hmm. um, that the, the Tennessee quarterback is playing well is definitely interesting. I think. Agreed. Agreed. There's some undervalued pass catchers uh, for sure there that, that we'll get to um, at wide receiver. Um, awesome. Okay. Let's, let's move on to uh, running back. Um, so for running back here, we are looking at expected fantasy points from PFF. So what you'll see here uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, on the y-axis, you have receiving expected fantasy points. And then on the x-axis, you have rushing expected fantasy points. So for those who aren't familiar, um, you can kind of think of it as some kind of formula that translates touches and targets to expected fantasy points. So obviously a rush you get on the one yard line is going to be worth more expected fantasy points than a rush you get, you know, at the 40 
yard line. That that sort of thing is factored in there to that statistic. So um, as you can see on the chart here, um, there's also we also broke down the chart into different bands. So in this green area at the top right, that's players with 20 plus expected fantasy points. Um, and then in the yellow region there, it's those sort of middling 10 to 20 expected fantasy points. And then finally, uh, in that red region there, zero to 10 expected fantasy points. So that's just the simple sum of rushing and receiving. The last thing I'll add to this I'm chart. I'm RB guy. 10 to 20 expected points is not middling to me. I'm having a party when I get 10. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. For Yeah, for, for my main event teams, I would be happy with like nine expected fantasy <laughs> points. And I'm looking at you, uh, Melvin Gordon, Shaw Penny. Um, but... Oh, actually, they did okay this week. Um, Where's anyways. Tony Pollard on this chart, by the way? <laughs> Tony Pollard, um, who someone on our main event team was begging us to draft Tony Pollard. I think it was Drico. I don't quite remember. Um, he did not do. <laughs> was it me? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You, you were in Vegas. You probably don't have a great, I thought it was great you. memory for that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, sorry. The, the last thing I'll add on this chart is the size of the bubble represents fantasy points over expected. So the larger the bubble, the more efficient the player was. The larger, the smaller the bubble. Uh, I'm talking to you, uh, Joe Mixon. The uh, less efficient you were. Um, so with that said, um, Drico, I'll kick it to you again. Uh, what is sort of your key takeaways? What things jump out to you uh, from this slide here? Um. So he, he is our uh, he is our cover boy. And um, but the thing that jumped out most to me. Uh, was Antonio Gibson being a uh, 20 plus expected fantasy points. Um, so he was a guy who a lot of people, including me, were drafting at the one, two turn last year because he'd shown in his rookie year, how good he could be as a rusher. We're excited that the prospect that he could add uh, a receiving part to his game. And now to, to me to see him actually do that, um, and be reasonably efficient in the receiving game. Um, I think that's very interesting because in, in fantasy football, when you're targeting the, uh, and, and Pac Rain has done a great job breaking this down, uh, when you're targeting these uh, running backs, you want the, the, the season breakers, the guys who can crush a season. And one of the most important components of that is 10 expected uh, rushing yard, or sorry, rushing points and ten expected uh, points from receiving, and for him to add that to his game, I think is is super exciting. Um, some uh, I guess some of the the concept are more of the context for that is that uh, this game McKissick only saw two targets, uh, Gibson mm-hmm. saw eight, and um. What was also interesting is that it came as Washington were, were passing more. They had they were actually above um, uh, passes over expected, um, but they did well doing it. Um, so there's like I guess there's a question of like how how well could he sustain that, and that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to tease out a little bit. And to me, the fact that they came out passing that they prioritized throwing it to him over McKissick, who was supposed to be the receiving back. Um, and we know how good he can be as a rusher. Um, he's gone in the seventh round, and I think probably efficient ADP is is 
third or fourth round. So I think he's a massive value there. What what do you think? Yeah, I think I I am not as high as you in third or fourth round, but I agree that he is a buy at the seventh round price. I think I'm still a little worried about um, how it's going to be split up once Brian Robinson is back. And the latest news seems pretty good for him there. But right. that said, at the seventh round price, that's already baking in a lot of that risk. And I don't think with how well Gibson is playing, they're going to be able to completely take him off the field. So I think his floor is still pretty solid there in the seventh round with with tons of upside. So I, I would be buying him up to probably, you know, the fifth, late fifth area. Mm-hmm. And I assume I'll be able to to do that because I don't I don't think the market will overreact too much. Right. Um, yeah. it, I don't think he's not gonna go up to the uh, the third or fourth rounds. But mm-hmm. I guess I'm I'm more buying into the upside case of yeah. like we've seen we've seen him make these huge plays like he, he's a as an athlete he's a stud so mm-hmm. to me that's where i'm kind of like not as worried about him like losing a workload just because if if, if he's on if he's now on the field i i'm kind of like almost projecting him to make those sort of plays just because we've, we've seen it so many times before with him yeah he's always been good like when he's been on the field we've seen the long explosive plays the long explosive catches um I I'm definitely excited about Antonio Gibson this week. I, I was buying him when his price started to fall in BBM, but I don't think um, quite enough. I certainly wish I had more. Right. I'm um, feeling light right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was taking him at the big discounts, but uh, that was about it. Um, quickly on this chart, I'm, I'm going to zoom into another chart. I think it's worth, it's worth noting Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, and Javante Williams all had insane workloads. Javante's was insane for his receiving workload at over 20 um, expected receiving fantasy points, which is ridiculous. Um, almost makes me wonder if I fucked up this chart because it's so ridiculous. Um, and then Taylor and Mixon saw a combination of very heavy rushing workloads with a lot of targets. Um, but I think like pe- people know those guys are, are studs. I think maybe we can focus on some of the other names in this chart. So I'm going to zoom in to repay deference to the expected points gods (laughs) yeah we do have to talk about other players yeah yep i agree they they if you i mean i if you own any of those guys um you i think should certainly be excited so jerka one thing i wanted to to talk about i think there's been a little bit of panic on some high uh round one round two running backs um, I think the three that people are panicking most about right now are Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, and Alvin Kamara. Um, this chart here would suggest that Kamara um, is the one you should be panicking most about. Right. Do you agree with that? Or do you have any other takes on on the three of those guys, how we should be thinking about um, one of them? So um, I do think... Um, when you're, t- I guess two two of the players that we're talking about here are a little bit older, yeah, um, and those are the those are the the players that I guess you have to be most wary about just hitting a cliff because it's one of those things of like, hey, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine, and then boom, um, with yeah, Mara, um, it 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 does it does seem puzzling that um 
he uh, his his usage is, is is just so low. Like, I guess do you, do you know if there's like a solid explanation for that? Or yeah, I I couldn't figure that out. Um, and I think Mark Ingram played quite a bit, but he doesn't even pop anywhere on this chart. So, you know, I think the narrative that you're going to hear is Jameis is not good for fantasy running backs. That's something we saw in the past in Tampa Bay um, for some years where he was propping up uh, Chris Godwin. He was propping up Mike Evans, these massive fantasy years where the running backs, you know, Peyton Barber, um, Ronald Jones, uh, maybe Doug Barton, um, who were there with him were not really producing, especially in the passing game. So there could be sort of a game, um, a game style clash here between Kamara right. and Jameis. That's that's my best explanation. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's some injury we're not aware of, just weirdness of week one. But the Kamara usage was, you know, shockingly, shockingly low, especially yeah. in a game where they were trailing most of the game, which you'd expect, you know, to be a strong suit from the receiving side. Um, yeah. So the other thing, the thing about, uh, um, so I do see, actually, I do see a, an injury. Uh, he had a rib injury. Um, okay. But the one thing that I do think is interesting about Henry is that one of the big things about him was that, hey, he's a, he, he, he's, he's their bell cow. Like, he's the guy who, who, who they want to get the ball to. And last year, one of the things that we saw a bit more is that they start throwing the ball more mm-hmm. uh, before he got hurt. And I do think it's interesting that Dontrell Hillard, Hillard uh, hope I'm saying that right, got a, a couple of targets. And yeah. that's like, okay, well, now uh, now, now he's, he's, he's definitely, you don't have the out of like, oh, hey, maybe he's going to get targets this year. You really do need him to be the all-world rusher. And I do remember last year he started out kind of sluggish. Um, he started out not being the, the, the Derrick Henry that we remember, or at least in performance. And so I don't want to rule out that um, that's possible, but that, that he's definitely not getting targets the same way as last year is a big – I think that's a fairly big hit. Um, and I agree. I don't really like just hoping that an older running back just has it the same way they used to. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I'm a little more optimistic on right. Henry from the perspective that, hey, you know, they're going to get two games against the Jags. They're going to get two games against the Texans. He's going to get 30 touch, 35 touches in one of those games and rip off some big runs. Like, I, I think from like a DFS perspective, um, in, in games where he's not projected to be highly owned, I still would be chasing that ceiling for Derrick Henry. I still think it's there. That said, um, a managed sort of uh, redraft league, I, I think I'll probably be out at whatever his his price is because that pass catching, which propped up both the ceiling and floor there, that right. seems to have have largely dropped out. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not full panic mode if you drafted Derrick Henry, but it, it wasn't um, a great great week one. right obviously you're not you're not a you're not cutting them yeah <laughs> yeah unless you're in the 14 uh league maybe you're cutting derrick henry um 
Okay. Other things on running back before we move on that I wanted to point out. I thought a couple committee situations were interesting. Um, you got the Bears, where if you see in this chart here in the yellow uh, zone here, you have both Cleal Herbert and David Montgomery quite close to each other. Herbert actually a bigger rushing workload with Montgomery, um, a bigger receiving workload. I think that is quite interesting if you were to project Herbert for more of a rushing workload than Montgomery uh, in week one. Um, I don't think anybody was doing that. I also want to point out um, the Eagles are interesting um, in that both Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell were getting close to that 15 expected point range. Um I was buying a lot of them this offseason because I thought it was going to be good offense. I wasn't sure which back was going to be producing, but um, if their offense rolls like that, I think both of those guys are looking like very solid values with upside if one of them to, were to go down. But yeah, that's just two situations I wanted to point out where both um, backs are are quite close in expected point usage, uh, maybe in, in an unexpected way. Um, yeah, any, any thoughts there, Drico, or any other things that jumped out to you um, on some of these these guys? Um, so I, I do I do tend to agree with you there. The Eagles running backs are definitely ideal uh, later round targets. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I do think is interesting is that both Brees Hall and Michael Carter um, were close to 15 expected receiving points, which... <sighs> Is fairly bananas, um. So let me let me pull up some. Uh... That's not. I mean, and we not to interrupt you. We saw we sort of saw this last year with the Mike White and Joe Flacco games, if you remember. Right. Wilson go down went down. These running backs and also Elijah Moore started to see this this insane usage. So yeah, continue with what you're gonna say. So Joe Flacco, he had 62 dropbacks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the Ravens and um. It, it it does very much seem like he is the uh, the reincarnate of uh, Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not as good though, but is just going to heavily target these uh, these running backs. And um, obviously, a lot of a lot of the, the passing attempts are just because the Ravens are so good. But I don't think it's unreasonable to expect the the Jets to be bad again and in negative game scripts and. As long as the quarterback is not um, Zach Wilson, um, and either either Joe Flacco or or the um, the, the Mike White, uh, who was who was the guy last year, the the receiving the receiving does look pretty good there for both of them. Uh, I don't think it's gonna it's probably not gonna be enough to really uh, take Brees Hall home, and um, but Michael Carter. It looks very, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're loving Carter when you got him around pick 130, 140 um, this offseason. He's up at uh, around pick 100 in the best ball resurrection right now. I think that's fair. I think I would still be buying there. Um, right. But I'm not enthused. Not a priority that price. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. The Jets are going to be bad. They're going to be throwing a lot. He's got um a pretty large role in this offense you know as long as joe flack goes in there i'm i'm pretty excited about michael carter once zach wilson is back we will see um yeah um last thing i wanted to point out um couple dead zone 
in this red region here, we have a mix of some sort of classic dead zone guys. We got Josh Jacobs and Zeke Elliott in there. And then we also got a lot of sort of the sexier zero RB pricey targets being uh, Devin Singledary, Ramondre, Rashad White, Tony Pollard. Um, none of them, uh, Damian Pierce, you could throw in that bucket too. Um, none of them had strong weeks one, week uh, ones. Is there anybody among that group that you are still excited about um, in sort of like either the, the zero RB um, darling or dead zone? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, so um, I'm still very interested in Devin Singletary. Um, and maybe maybe this is a, a, a tape grinder take, but uh, I just thought he looked so much better than all the other running backs in week one. Um, so maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, it's it's frustrating to see Zach Wilson. Uh, I think he caught what eight targets, and uh, that is very frustrating. But the fact that he didn't play very well with it, um, makes me still interested in Singletary just as a guy who can get the role for himself, just being by be- being so much better than the other players, um, and another I guess yeah. another point there is that. It is kind of nice to see uh, Eno Benjamin get um for for his price get what looks like a, a I mean it's not great but um a solid kind of role and um, that could could expand as the season goes on. Yep. Yeah, I think I think Eno and Rashad White they both there was on some uncertainty if they were going to be the clear number twos. I think it's pretty clear they both are. Um, I think even some of that, you know, stuff, to be honest, was propped up a little bit by the the uh, garbage time. He got a lot of work uh, when the Cardinals were getting completely blown out. But it's still good to see him being on the field over Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams had zero snaps. So if you drafted, you know, um, you, you got what you paid for and, and a little bit more, um, I think. Um, cool. So, yeah, that's I think that covers a lot on the running backs. Why don't we? Um, move on to wide receiver um unless any last thoughts Draco or uh, no no I'm good okay cool um so on the wide receiver side let me describe um the graphic here um on the y-axis we're measuring catch rate pretty straightforward uh on the x-axis we're showing weighted targets per route run so what that is is targets per route run but weighted toward uh weighted with air yards so uh target 100 you know 50 yards down the field is worth more than a screen target um that's basically factors that in again these are from pff um and then the bubble size here is showing yards after catch so you'll see some of the yak monsters like aj brown and and debo samuel um you know in theory pop here but again this is one week of data so i do especially want to emphasize that with the wide receivers that one week of data is extremely noisy but i still think we can get some interesting takeaways from it but it's by no means um sort of the definitive truth on any of these guys this is one one week of data um last thing before i kick it to drick this chart here um we're gonna break this down into three charts because there are a lot of wide receivers this we're just gonna be talking about wide receivers who ran more than 90 percent of routes on their quarterbacks dropbacks 
on this chart here. And then we have two more with uh, wide receivers running 75 to 90%. And then sort of the fringe rotational wide receivers running 35 to 75%. So we're going to be sort of breaking it down to those three categories there. So uh, Drico, <clears throat> for these you know, wide receivers who are basically running all the routes. Uh, right. I mean, if you make it on this chart, congratulations, you're a full-time NFL receiver. <laughs> it, yeah, you can still be running wind sprints as a full-time NFL wide receiver. You can just ask uh, Matt Collins about that. But still, congrats to you. You are um, on the field. Um, yeah, Trico, anything here that jumps out to you? Maybe – a guy whose role looks better uh, than we thought uh, going into the season. Um, so one thing that I do think is interesting is um, I see DK DK Metcalf. He's on the uh, the above ninety percent roots run chart, and then his uh, teammate Tyler Rocket is on the next chart. And I guess the reason I think that's interesting is because normally. Um, Week one is when the kind of older players are at the peak of their powers. Like that's normally when they can play the most amount of snaps and be the most competitive. Whereas it's later in the season when those younger players um can kind of like separate from not not from like I'm not saying that DK Metcalf is like some rookie, but he's younger. You would hope him to, to not for to not fade down the stretch like an older player. Um yeah, I do think like obviously the uh, the quarterback situation isn't ideal, and um, but he uh, he had he had some solid like twenty four and, and without waiting it for air uh, air yards he had twenty four percent and targets per route run and um, he yeah he had the and then he's also going in the sixth round and um, so I do think for a player of that kind of caliber who is really kind of like starting to, to show themselves to be the number one wide receiver on their team. And I do, I do think that's interesting. Yeah. I am with you there on Metcalf. I was not on him a bunch in the off season. I, I think that was probably not, not the best take. I also think Gino, like Gino wasn't great. Like no one's going to confuse Gino Smith as some all-star, you know, all pro quarterback, but he is going to keep the offense competent, I believe. He showed that. He showed that last year. He showed that again last night. Um, he's not going to be throwing down the field, making you know dramatic, huge plays. But he can move the sticks. He can get the ball to DK Metcalf. You know, I think he can get it to lock it a little bit. Um, and we know with Metcalf, he can take a slant and take it to the house um, at any time. He doesn't even need a great quarterback to do that. He, he has that huge uh, yak ability. So. In the sixth round, um, I think Metcalf is is a massive buy. I am I am with you there. Um, what one guy I wanted to point out on this chart was was Christian Kirk. Um, and let me quickly check where he's going. Um, oh, I got it for you. ADP of around sixty. ADP of around sixty. Okay, that is interesting. So the market has reacted aggressively there to Kirk. Um, I think. I would. I think I'm okay with that ADP. I thought it was going to be lower um, than that. I'm not. He's not a priority target there. But I do think if you drafted Kirk this offseason, he had a great role week one in Arizona. He was oftentimes running out of the slot and not running uh, greater than ninety percent of routes. 
if I remember correctly. So it's, you know, they paid him like a true number one wide receiver. That was his role in week one. Um, we'll see if Trevor Lawrence can play a little bit better and sort of, um, you know, keep, keep everybody afloat in this offense. But I am cer- certainly excited if I own Christian Kirk. Um, again, back to the ADP. I think 60, 80, ADP of 60 sort of bakes in um, that correction. Right, the market agrees with you. Yeah, I think the market is appropriately uh, reacted there. Um, yeah. And, Draco, any guys you're panicking on after week one? There's there's some there's some scary um, scary names in some bad areas in this list, like Devonta Smith, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Williams had a pretty awful week. Um, George Pickens and Allen Robinson were both running wind sprints. Um, I, I guess to, to make the question more concrete, is there which of these players that had a bad week are you are you most nervous about uh, relative to the the price you paid? Um, the two players I'd be most nervous about if I had drafted them would be uh, Allen Robinson, and mm-hmm. by far, um, it was just somebody. It looked like he just really struggled to get open, um, and he wasn't getting targeted. So yeah. that would very much concern me, especially because it comes on the tail of a, a, just a, a ridiculously bad season last year. Um, so I think that's kind of like compounded evidence that, hey, this 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 guy may have he, he may have fallen off the cliff, unfortunately. Um, yeah. The, the other thing, the I guess the other thing that I guess is a little bit worrying for uh, C.D. Lamb. Is that even though he was getting the targets, um, and uh, receiving efficiency can be it, it can be so volatile, but it 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 didn't it didn't look good about how uh, not open he was the the drops like there the, there was plays where he uh, he tried to beat someone on a slant, and he got the ball quick, but the the cornerback was right there. Like yeah. that it right down and at at cost, that's worrying. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm totally with you there. Um, I I was on this take early in the off season. Oh, I thought you, you were you were the, the grandfather of the <laughs> Lamb is overrated take. Yeah, yeah, I was having some fun with with the slander and the uh, ship chasing Discord after the game. Um, fancy Hunter Renfro again showed his true colors this. <laughs> this week. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was on an all off season. You know, I was buying CD lamb last year when he was going in the third round, then he doesn't have that great a year. And the market's like, you know what? He should be a late first, early second round pick. Now, even when people are making the argument, that there's, there's no target competition, but last year, even when Michael Gallup was injured, um, they had the corpse of Amari Cooper, who apparently wasn't worth more than a fifth round pick. Um, and, you know, a bunch of other, you know, Noah Brown, Cedric Wilson running routes. In that situation, even when Gallup was out, um, CD couldn't get it done. Um, and I think there were games in there where Cooper missed time. So anyways, done with my CD lamb rant, but I think that price was was clearly bad. I think his role is still going to be good enough that like you're going to be starting him. He's going to have his weeks. Yeah, you're but, not dropping him. Yeah, when you picked him over, you know, guys who are proven they're good at football, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, even, you know, Michael Pittman, to be honest, flashed a little bit more. Um, yeah, you're going to be so one, Before we move on, uh, one thing that I do want to point out. So we've got this kind of section in the ch- in the chart. Upper right, we've got Justin Jefferson. We've got A.J. Brown. We've got Cooper Cook. <laughs> Devante. 
And then we have Amon Ross and Brown. Look yeah. at me. If, if you took away the names from it, like, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy must be a stud. Yeah. Um, and one of the, I guess, concerns for him was, oh, hey, they've got bringing all these guys back from injury. They're bringing these guys in from free agency. They drafted this guy. Uh, How is he going to repeat with uh, all this extra t- target competition? And he's like, he's, he's, I don't know if he's as high, but that's some great like target um, earning ability there. Um, and there, there's another player where the uh, the market has uh, reacted. So his ADP on underdog is now 40. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's you've got you've basically got an emerging second year player who crushed it at the end of at the end of last year, and he crushed it in this in, in terms of the underlying metrics, crushed it in the first game. Um, I do I do think that's really interesting. Yeah, I would be buying him at 40 still. I mean, I, I he was one of my highest owned players this offseason. Like the argument that the target competition argument uh, last year, I mean, when a guy's earning 30% target share week, week over week, I don't care who he's competing for targets with. You're you're good at football if you can do that. Right. Um and I agree like it's it's he's up there with the stud first round wide receivers in this chart and I think um, you know, at a fourth round price, there's still certainly upside baked in. Um, yeah, I think this chart's super interesting. I'm, I'm quickly going to hit on just, just lift, list off some names for the audio listeners of guys that had stronger roles than expected and, and who you should feel pretty solid about at cost. I think Robbie Anderson, Zay Jones, um, Brandon Cooks, Donovan Peoples-Jones, DJ Chark, all kind of, well, there's a range of ADPs for those guys, but mostly later round picks that had quite solid roles week one and and at their cost, um, at least before the season, I think you should be feeling pretty good about those picks. Um, but yeah, let's move on to um, sort of the 75 to 90% routes run guys. So there's still some some stars in here, but guys who for whatever reason are, are running a little bit less routes on, on their team. Um, Trico, uh, there's some interesting names here, you know, um, Curtis Samuel, um, Juju, Drake London, um, any, any of sort of the overperformers or strong performers here that you're particularly uh, excited about after that week one. So I've got some notes and, but I know you have a a strong Curtis Samuel take. So I want to hear. Yeah. (laughs) The Curtis Samuel takes a, before I go all out on this take, let me. Do you have his uh, underdog ADP right now? Because I don't want to. <laughs> Imagine he's he's going in the third round, bud. <laughs> he's going up pick one thirty five. Okay, I can still be excited about that. My my Curtis Samuel pick. It's it's pretty simple. Look, like he he flashed an insane role week one. Um, he had eleven targets and four carries. Clearly out targeted Jahan Dotson. Clearly out targeted. Terry McLaurin on, on less snaps than both of those players. And look, it was the Jags defense. Like, you know, it could be by the end of the season, we could be looking back on this, like, you know, Sammy Watkins week ones in past year, but Curtis Samuel has showed he's a good NFL player in years past, maybe not an all-star, but to immediately come out of that gate with that big of a role with a little bit of an interesting sort of rushing Devo Samuel-esque floor along with that, um, I think my, my take is that people hate Curtis Samuel because he's burned them in past years. He's got a long right. injury history. They see him as injury prone. They're not going to adjust fast enough on on his week one role. 
And at an ADP of 135, I mean, like he just needs like two more of those games to pay off <laughs> that price. And I, I think he's a talented guy. I, I'm a Christian. Right. I'm a believer in the talent. And I think the role was there. So I'm buying as long as people are still hesitant. Yeah, I think that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense for sure. And um, I guess my the first thing, my biggest reaction when I saw this was um, how good Jarvis Landry, or sorry, not Jarvis Landry, uh, how, how good Tyreek Hill. I was almost about to throw a bone to uh, uh, Gretsch there, but not today. <laughs> um, Tyreek Hill, like, he, he put up some elite receiving numbers um, mm-hmm. on, on mm-hmm. Sunday. Like, he had a, 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 a close to 40% target share, uh, over 100, I think it was like 110 air yards. And this is a game where the Dolphins were actually leading for quite a bit of it. And um, so I, I wrote an article early in the offseason of, hey, Ty, uh, sorry, Tyreek, he propped up Alex Smith. Alex Smith had elite numbers when he was trying to to uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, some of the concerns with the Dolphins was that uh, they were gonna they were gonna be this kind of rush to win team, but the acquisitions that they made didn't really look like that either. So they they got uh, they got Tyreek Hill. Chase Edmonds was the running back that they paid, um, and so I think that if you have been uh, drafting Tyreek Hill, super encouraging. He's still going at the two tree turn, um, and obviously you you got some monsters or who were going there in AJ Brown, um, and and yeah. uh, I guess T Higgins didn't show last week, but some monsters to contend with. But I do think that's very very strong, and um, I think really encouraging. Yeah, and um, I totally agree with that. I was uh, the Dolphins Patriots game. Um, I'm a Patriots fan, so I, I watched that game, and man, he was wide open on every single play. And you know, it wasn't those da- long plays down the field that you saw with Patrick Mahomes. It was a lot more of sort of uh, quick slants, uh, out routes, um, sort of five to ten. Eight he still had 110 throws. air yards. Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't I spending that yards, as a what, yeah air yards. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't trying to spend that as a negative. I was just saying. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. They totally agreed, but he was he was wide open on every, every single play. It was so easy for them to get the ball to Tyree kill um, in this game. And I think with Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill on the field at the same time, a defense can't just put all their attention to Tyreek. You saw it in the game uh, where Jalen Waddle uh, took one to the house uh, when the attention was sort of off him a little bit. So I think Tyree, I wasn't buying Tyreek much to be honest at his, at his late second round price. Um, I wish I was a little bit more, you know, mixing him in there. Um, instead of some other guys, because I think he's going to to have a huge year um, with this with this usage. Um, cool. Another guy, I, I got I to gotta mention Julio here. Um, I, I was drafting a ton this offseason, especially before he signed. I think before he looked... Start, you know, he wasn't practicing either. Today, he wasn't... I saw he wasn't practicing today. If you look at the Bucks practice report today they literally had zero wide receivers practicing i'm guessing it's um you know scotty miller and brashad perryman in, in two wide receiver sets this week um but assuming <laughs> assuming it's just a veteran rest day for julio right um his adp is 99 right now i think that is still insanely low and maybe maybe i'm still chasing the ghost of the old julio but 
Give me Tom Brady's number two wide receiver, at least for the time being. I think I think Godwin misses some time with this hamstring injury. Give me Tom Brady's number two wide receiver on a pass-happy offense who they were clearly scheming looks for in this game. They gave him two carries, kind of weird uses for Julio, but they did give him two carries. They were, they were looking to get him the ball early and often and narrowly missed him on a few deep throws that really would have boosted his overall stat line. You know, his usage here doesn't pop out as amazing, but I think it was quite a strong sign in week one for Julio to be this involved. And um, I'm still buying at 99. Curious, curious what you think. I feel like we, we maybe disagree here. Um, so um, just, a, a, I guess, a quick plug for what I've been doing at Rotoviz. So I've been writing about the uh, the daily sites on Underdog and Julio Jones uh, in, in six in, in drafts where there's 36 players, only 36 players been drafted. His ADP is 35.4. So very rarely getting drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and if thinking about ways to bet on Julio Jones, that could pay off massively. Mm-hmm. If he's getting um these deep targets and you just need a, you just need a couple of them to hit, they're they're looking to, to for ways to get him involved. And like I said, <clears throat> he's rarely being drafted. I think that's like a strong, hey, this is how you get paid in fantasy football kind mm-hmm. of bet. Yeah, that's smart. I think, yeah, I think that's a great strategy in general in that type of game where you should be going way out of the box. Um, th- those are weekly contests, am I right? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. like it's like DFS, and, yeah. but you, you do a draft instead mm-hmm. of a, um, a salary game. And, um. Yeah, it, it just I, I think it's fun in that uh you get if if you've been drafting all summer, you've developed drafting skills and so you get to push them in your favor. Mm-hmm. It's not just kind of like lineup building. Like you you, you get to build like a I guess in an a uniqueness edge just by being a skilled drafter. Got it. That totally makes sense. Yeah, and the, I am looking to go for probably my last two picks in that format i'm looking to take guys that are not being drafted because 36 players there's there's plenty of guys in sort of you know the 80 to 120 range in your typical adp that can pop off for big weeks so i'm, I'm going out of the box there for sure um yeah one last one i want to point out here stefan diggs um just ran around on 79 percent of drop dropbacks i'm not overly concerned about this but i do want to see if this holds um in the in the next few weeks that's not something we saw a lot in past years um i don't know if it's some minor injury that we didn't know about whether they just kind of want to rest him more um you know take him out off the field um you know in in areas where they might be you know doing play action and and drawing up run um looks there but i uh, just wanted to note that uh, but anyways let's let's move on to um the next slide here and just quickly and then we can go through this quickly trico um who is one guy in the rotational wide receiver range um you know guys that are running 35 to 75 percent of routes that you think is exciting and could could earn a uh, earn a bigger role um down the stretch um so i thought you were going to give me your call phillips take but <laughs> um, so we, we, we touched on it earlier at uh, Ryan Tannehill playing well. Um, 
trail on Burks, getting just huge target share, uh, or sorry, targets per route run, and flashing pretty good uh, ability with it. Um, is super exciting. Um, because one of the one of the concerns about Burks was that he was barely going to see the field. Uh, week one, he's going to be in the doghouse, and I guess obviously he was more rotational, but he played so well that it's a big question of like how how long before they just have to make him a full time player. Um, he was so good in college, uh, so exciting. Obviously, yeah. he went in the first round, and um, so. Uh, I don't. I don't think this is like a hidden take. It's not like I'm the only person with this opinion. Yeah. Um, but at an ADP of 100, I think that's a big underreaction to the market on just how good he played and looked. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, just to give more context, um, so this is showing all players with 35 to 75 percent of routes run. Obviously, that's a huge range. There's a big difference between 35 percent and 75 percent. For these two guys, Burks ran around on 37 percent of dropbacks and Phillips ran around on 60 percent of dropbacks. So um, though they appear in the same chart, Phillips, I, I will point out, was clearly ahead of Burks. Now, do I think he should be valued ahead of Burks? Definitely not. But do I think Phillips is a value at a 200 uh, ADP on underdog right now? I, I certainly do like this is if you have all the wide receivers on one chart, um, Kyle Phillips actually had the highest weighted targets per route run, not just amongst these rotational wide receivers, but um, any wide receiver in the league in week one. And I know some, I'm not a, you know, dynasty scouting expert. I do know some guys like JJ Zacharyson, um, some of the Roto Underworld guys were high on Kyle Phillips um, production in college. So I, I know he's a fifth round pick. I don't want to get too excited, but I think if you, you know, put a more exciting name there instead of Kyle Phillips, which is probably one of the most right. names. I he's a money ball guy. <laughs> yeah. Johnny I think, defect. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I'm not gonna say his defect out loud, but <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, two ADP of two hundred. I mean, that's a joke. He's he's pushing Nick. If Burks gets a bigger role, Phillips, it's not coming out at the expense of Phillips. I don't think. I think they can both earn bigger roles and get these guys like Nick Westbrook, Akine uh, off the field. Um, that's that's my take on the Titans. I think I'm I'm buying both of these rookies like pretty pretty heavily. But yeah, he, he also like he played well. He had like three point one yards per run. Like yeah, um. His his air yards weren't like bad, and no. so at, at cost, like the, the the types of dirty, disgusting wide receivers I've drafted in the two hundred range, you you can do a whole lot worse. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I have shares of like Nikhil Harry. Um, in the how, how far would you draft him up to? I would take him up to like one one fifty ADP. Um, I you know. I to be I honest, I gotta I gotta get more familiar of, of the, the these um resurrection streets, but I I see no reason to look, he's he's a wide receiver prospect that some were excited by, flashed a huge target earning potential week one in a limited role. Um I you know what I'm I'm definitely buying that guy. You know, I, if he stays at ADP of two hundred, I'd have hundred percent of Kyle Phillips. I don't think he will, so I'll have to right. for that, but um I'm certainly excited. Um Cool. Um, so, Drico, any any quick, maybe one or two quick hits here, if you have any. Otherwise, let's uh, move on to tight ends. 
Um, I guess just it was nice to see Garrett Wilson uh, show yeah. out with that uh, kind of forty percent way to target for or, or point four way to target for out run. Um, another rookie who uh, who's gone discounted, who could very easily earn himself a full time role very quickly. Yeah, and yeah, what I'll. One last note I have, I think the DeAndre Carter, Josh Palmer situation is interesting to monitor, especially with Keenan Allen potentially out. I think the market heavily views uh, Palmer as a favorite favorite to Carter there, Uh, but they didn't play that different of snaps um, in in week one and and Carter was was more effective. So if the market is going all in on Palmer, say in like that Thursday night showdown slate, I'm I'm pretty interested in Carter. We'll we'll sort of see how the the ownership uh, looks there. but let's let's finish off wide receivers and move on to tight ends for the last segment. Um, this chart here for those watching is is a little bit um, simpler. We're just we really want to know for tight ends. Look, are they on the field? And when they're on the field, are they running pass routes or are they pass blocking? So um, that's what this chart shows, and it's ordered from tight ends with the highest pass route percentage, which is Mark Andrews at around 90% um, uh, down and, and going down from there. So this this chart shows guys with at least 60% of routes run, um, ranges from guys like Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard and Kyle Pitts to guys like Gerald Everett, David Njoku, uh, rest in peace, and Cole Komet. Um, and so- just, just if I can add as well, the reason that we're looking at it like this too yep. is that uh, – Tight end is so much about scheme. Like, it's like you said, does the offense actually use their tight end in a passing game? So, I, I, like you said, are you running a route or are you pass blocking? And then do do target do these tight ends earn targets? And um, sorry, which you've got in the bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we got the weighted targets for route run again in the bottom. So again, I wouldn't look too much into that for a one week sample obviously that's an important stat over the course of the year i think there's some signal there in one week but i would honestly like be more interested in in the pass route percentage obviously you want to see the combination of of both right um but um yeah Trick, right. I don't know if you feel it's like you said we see pat fryer yeah. his number is higher than travis kelsey but that doesn't yeah. mean that we think that uh pat fryer is a better <laughs> player than uh uh, Travis Kelsey, but it does mean we're very encouraged by Pat Moon. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll give a couple quick takeaways here, Drico, and then I'll I'll kick it to you. Um, I think takeaway number one for me is I think some people are panic panicking a little bit on Mark Andrews. Um, I don't know if the market's reacting that way. I just saw that on Twitter, but I am not worried at all. He's still got a massive, massive role, the biggest of any tight end in the league right now. I think that's going to continue. There's no sort of Isaiah likely factor here that's impacting Mark Andrews. I am yeah. buying him if his price falls. A um, couple other quick hits. Um, I think Jawan Johnson and Tyler Conklin being on this chart is quite interesting. I think the Taysom Hill tight end role is maybe a little exaggerated. He has more of a gimmick role. Uh, Jawan Johnson looks like he has a legit role in this offense. So for tight end premium, I am interested in some low bids for him. Um, Tyler Conklin, likewise, he's probably more likely to be, have been drafted, but um, those are a couple guys that I, I want to point out for um, for waiver purposes. Although I guess the show's coming out after most waivers have cleared, right. so maybe not the most yeah. relevant, but 
for DF, DFS, I think, you know, punt Juwan Johnson play. Maybe maybe people are on that, but I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, Trico, I'll kick it to you for, for your thoughts here. Um, so I have seen some concern on uh, Kyle Pitts that he uh, he's pass blocking a lot. So it, it obviously is not great. We thought we thought that he would be a lot closer to a hundred percent of um pass route guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the audio listeners, he's at about like a uh, high seventies pass route rate. Just wanted to uh, right, like uh, close to eighty. Yeah. Um, but c- close to eighty is still quite good for uh, for a tight end. Mm-hmm. Still nice to see that he got heavily targeted and. With uh, with fantasy football, you obviously you can't lose sight of the talent. Like this is one of the most talented players in the NFL, and I'm still very interested in Kyle Pitts. And we saw that there was there were some people drafting in the first round in the main event, and that obviously doesn't look great anymore. But if you can get this guy in the third round or the third or fourth three or four turn that's like a super strong pick i i'm i'm not i'm still like a strong believer in pits and what else next to him and there was obviously a lot of noise about the snap rate for alberto mm-hmm. but seeing him up there close to the 80 percent uh snap route a snap rate with a solid 27 percent or uh way to target per route run Oh yeah, I love that. I I, I I think that's still still very interesting. Um really interesting to see TJ Hawkinson. Um really hot. He I think he's just below 80 as well. Pretty high, yeah. Uh he had a 41% uh way to target per run and at cost. So let me see where he uh mm-hmm. at cost of pick. And 94, 93.6. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yep. I think that is at his deflated cost. Um, I'm I'm totally okay with TJ Hawkinson there. Um yeah, uh, fi- final notes maybe here. Tyler Higby also an amazing for sort of like the middle round tight ends. Tyler Higby had an amazing role. Um Cameron Brait. Also, his role is stronger than expected. There was not much Kyle Rudolph stuff going on. He was close to 80% routes run. So maybe if you buy into the the wide receiver core being banged up there, um, you uh, can can profit a bit with Cameron Braid. But yeah, Drico, let's let's wrap to wrap this up. Um, probably the least um, sexy chart we have here. This is the Best tight ends. Backup tight ends. <laughs> the, yeah, if you have any backup tight. If you wanted a podcast for backup tight end takes, you have come uh, to the right place. There's some names on here. Frankly, I could not tell you what team they're on. Um, Drico, Parker Hesse, um, any idea? Let's, let's give them the quick hitters. So, <laughs> you see, yeah, uh, Johnu Smith, 41% weighted Tiger per out run. Um, looks like he was on, he ran a route on, uh, on less than 60% of the, uh, the pass routes. Uh, or the pass attempts. Um, you see at, at such a high target rate. You see yeah. uh, Hunter Henry. He had a super high uh, pass route rate, but a really low target rate. And that's something that's really interesting. Of like, Can can he flip him by the end of the year? I think that's a really interesting uh, 
I'm going to look at that. Yep, I agree with that. Um, one, two other quick hitters, maybe. Uh, I think the Robert Tanyan stuff is interesting. He did not have a high pass route, but he did uh, get targets when he was on the field. I think they're probably bringing him along slowly post-ACL tear. And with that wide-open wide receiver room, I am interested in Tanyan um, in deeper formats. Um, yeah, that's about all the the gross tight end takes I can I can say <laughs> here. Um, anything anything else here, Trico? Otherwise, we'll um, we'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, no, I I think I think we ought to close it there. Yeah, <laughs> once you're talking about Robert Tanyan, <laughs> signed on the show. But yeah, um, anyways, yeah, thanks a lot for joining us, guys. Um, we will be iterating on this as the season goes along um, and figuring out sort of what works best for us, what works best for, for you all. So expect um, some of the charts to change slightly, but this is the general idea. We'll uh, go through each position and, and highlight the key stats and hopefully give you guys actionable takeaways uh, for best ball, for DFS, uh, for waivers. Um, we're out here to, to help you uh, better run all parts of your, your fantasy games. So um yeah, Trico, maybe tell the people um, where they can find your work before we um, shut things down. Uh, yeah, um, hit up Rotoviz. Um, if you're watching uh, Stat Chasing, you're, you're probably familiar. Um, had a lot of people come up to me in Vegas uh, saying they enjoy uh, my uh, my work, which is really encouraging. Um, but thanks uh, if you've made it this far. Thanks for listening through our uh, backup tight end takes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. I'll see you next week, everybody.